This is the Wickham Festival podcast and the second of our two special editions featuring highlights from the 2018 festival. You'll hear interviews with Phil Beer, Steve Harley and Richard Thompson. First up is Boo Hewardine. Boo Hewardine, hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Wickham yes. in rather different circumstances to last year. Yes, we were first on on the... I think it was on the Thursday last year, right. and uh, the council and so forth wouldn't let people in because of the rain, so we played to one man. <laughs> and it was, of, and last year with me and my band, it was our favourite gig of the whole year, we, just in terms of how we played, so I'm hoping he turns up again. But I, what I remember is... As <laughs> You'd we, be disappointed if he didn't. As we played the last chord of the last song, they, that's when they let people in and we could see thousands of people running across the field towards us but it was all too late <laughs> so very kindly they've asked us back to have another go so I don't from looking out the door here I don't think it's going to rain before I five o'clock don't, don't think so yeah. it would be a bit unlucky so. mm. last year was that the most bizarre gig you've ever played probably not no because I would not? say I would say about one in three gigs is bizarre <laughs> in one way or another but it was uh, totally our memory of it was just how much we enjoyed it, so it's uh, it's fine. And we met, and it was nice being backstage. I met uh, someone who used to be in my old band in, in the eighties, who played was playing with Andy Fairweatherlow, and I met loads of old friends and stuff. So it was just a very enjoyable day, if a little moist, you know. So. Yeah. Well, the yeah. Uh, the the mud last year obviously causes uh, huge problems, with, as yeah. you say, with people coming in in late. Yeah. And but yeah. it was great. We it, stayed that night and we watched Ten CC, which we really really enjoyed. That so it was yeah, it was a nice night. Then it dried out and the the rest of the festival was fine. It was just that uh, opening just me. day. It was but, just uh, me. <laughs> it was just you. Yeah. Have you had a chance to have a, a look around the festival site now that it's dried out? No, mm-hmm. no. We just uh, more or less just arrived. We've just been putting instruments on stage and. Um, was having a little practice when you walked in because uh, we don't get to play together very often so we had a rehearsal yesterday but I'm just making sure I'm as good as they are you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what can people expect from you? Well we made an album came out last year called Swinging Mercury which is a band album like a, and it's not folky at all so I'm hoping that people don't turn on us it's all sort of uh, rock songs and stuff like that and uh, that's what we were doing all of last year so um, we're going to be playing this, more or less the same set that we played last year because we thought we should just so people could hear it you know. Mm-hmm. And you were in Edinburgh next week you say it? Yeah with me and Chris Difford we're doing a thing called Some Fantastic Place where we, we play songs from his sort of career and but there's a lot of talking and then I interview him and stuff it's like a little show so I'm really looking forward to that yeah. Yeah, because you've got quite a close connection with, uh, with Chris. I do. Yeah, in fact, they're here tomorrow, tomorrow. aren't they? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. but I'm, I'm going to miss him because I'm playing somewhere else tomorrow. But say hello to him for a moment. I will do. Yeah. yeah. So what else have you got in the pipeline coming up? Um, Eddie Reader that I work with has mm-hmm. just finished an album. We're going to start touring that. It's called Cavalier. I think it's fantastic. It's a really good record. Uh, she produced it with her husband, and I think it's, worked, it's come out very well. Uh, so we'll be doing touring that. I'm doing more stuff with... Chris Difford, I'm doing a little tour of Chris Drever, and we're also doing a thing called Ballads of Child Migration, which was a show that me and some friends wrote three or four years ago, and we're playing some large venues with that, and it's really interesting, it's about children that were sent to places like Australia and stuff during the Second World War to keep them away from bombs, it's a very uh, moving show, so I've got a busy autumn. Right. 
Right, here with Phil Beer from Show of Hands. Hello. We're at the uh, Tall Ships stand at Wickham Indeed. Festival. It's a charity that's very close to your heart, I believe. All of these things are, yeah. I started, I started reconnecting with traditional sailing in 2008, having not really done anything for a very, very long time, or not really having ever had time. And so I was involved a bit with the Island Trust, and as a large number of the sail training um, organisations are all heavily predicated upon getting youngsters and often youngsters who've been in trouble to form crews to go sailing and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, I think everyone knows that it's incredibly character-forming to become part of a hard-working team and uh, do something that's a little bit adventurous and it often can be extremely adventurous. And a little bit more proactive as well, Russ. It's very proactive indeed, yeah. It's, it's great fun. The kids that we sailed with on Pegasus um, in from the Island Trust in 2008, I think most of them benefited hugely from that amazing experience of, you know, being able to join in the races and also go to some pretty interesting places as well, you know. So in terms of life skills, what benefits would they gain? Uh, lift heavy weights, pull things. Um, no, only joking. Um, there's so many, work there's so many aspects of what one would do in general life that can be improved by sailing. It helps when you start to learn a little bit of basic navigation. It helps to improve your mathematical skills. You know, makes you think quicker. It makes you. Uh, it, once you've finally been given the responsibility of the wheel or the tiller, you know, on a gaff cutter or a tall ship or something like that, it's a rather major responsibility. And I know the experts are standing there ready to grab it off you, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's an amazing feeling to be sailing and in control of a large vessel, you know, a big heavy vessel, um, and I think some of the best moments I've had in recent years have been on Pegasus or the gaff cutter Emily Rose, where I've been on a night watch, and eventually all your younger crew, they all start sort of falling asleep and so on, and you find you're the only person awake, you know. So you're, even though I am not qualified, you have the feeling that just for that short period of time, you are the skipper, you know, and you are completely in control of this fantastic thing, you know, and it's a great feeling. And for the youngsters that have probably never had a feeling of responsibility, well, it, it must be an, an amazing feeling. That's exactly what it instills, is a sense of responsibility, and above all, it helps people to concentrate. It focuses the mind quite a bit, you know, because there is, let's be honest, there's so much to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there is actually so much to go wrong. You can... <laughs> and uh, No names, no pack drill, but even some of the most experienced skippers of mine They've all got the big disaster in their repertoire. One of the, the best skippers I know once demolished um, a harbour master's hut with his bowsprit, you know, and the pictures exist to prove it, you know. But um, we won't talk about that. Norval, I mentioned who it was. But uh, you know, but yeah, you can also you can do a lot of damage with a traditional boat. You do a lot of damage with any boat, but with a trad boat, you can do more. So, Alicia, very quickly, tell us a little bit about the charity and, and your role here and about the stall that you've got here. So, we take disadvantaged and disabled young people sailing. Um, 
doing most of the things that Phil just spoke about. Um, so on board, they will get the opportunity to do absolutely everything from cooking and cleaning to climbing the mast, steering the boat. Um, and it really does have a huge impact on the young people. Um, I've had people, I've seen um, a girl come on and say she just sometimes feels completely worthless. And then at the end of the voyage, she said she was behind the helm of a yacht and it, she felt like the most responsible person in the world. Um, and it's, it's really incredible the difference that you can see from the beginning to the end of a voyage. Um, so that, that's our focus. Here at the festival, we are fundraising. So we've got a raffle going on um, with a, a guitar signed by some of the festival acts, um, including Phil Beer. So thank you very much. Um, we've also got a day sale for two and a £500 youth sailing voucher. So please come along and see us um, and we'll tell you all about it. And just finally going back to Phil, so tell us about a show of hands in the moment, what you've got in the pipeline, what's coming up? Uh, There's about eight more festivals this season. Um, I've just finished building a new recording studio. Um, We're working on an album, as everyone always is working on an album. Um, And then we've got a very busy September, October, November. Uh, We're going back to Germany for the first time probably in about five years. Uh, Do some small gigs, see some friends. Um... There's a whole bunch of odds and sods happening. Then we're off to Costa del Folk, the sort of travelling sort of folk festival which is in Portugal in October. And then we start a big tour without our bass player, who's having a baby. How very inconsiderate. I, 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 I tried to talk her out of it. But, no, she's having a baby, and so we've got a, a, another guest with us. We have the great percussionist Cormac Byrne playing with us from Seth Lakeman's band and many other bands, and that's going to be really nice. Here with Richard Thompson, so uh, welcome to Wickham. Thank you very much, nice to be here. And lovely to have you here, and lovely to have you here in such glorious weather as well. It's glorious, a little on the warm side, but uh, you know, better this than the, uh, the, uh, the alternative. Yeah. So I noticed you're doing a, a few festivals this year. What is it you like about a festival crowd? Uh, festival crowds, um, generally speaking, um, the standing up, which are, are, you know, as opposed to a theatre audience, which is sitting down, uh, standing up people are generally more responsive. Um, they make more noise; they're more physically responsive. Um, they bounce up and down a bit. They dance a bit, you know, uh, um, which I think is great because I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with a band, and it's uh, you know, it's electric music, and, and it's nice to see people move. You, you need that interaction, really, don't you? Yeah, I think you do. Ideally, you do. Um, yeah. Um, or, or, you know, sometimes when you play to a <clears throat> seated audience, I mean, they're, they're listening uh, intently sometimes. It's just, so you can't really say, um, you know, that, that, that that's a negative. But, but it's just a different thing. I think for a festival, you need more energy. Uh, we're, we're trying to give out lots on, on stage, and um, it's nice if some, some energy comes back. So you'll perhaps do a, a different set list for a festival than you would for a seated audience? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's generally more up-tempo. And what have you made of the Wickham Festival so far? Oh, it's a lovely, beautiful spot, beautiful day. Um, crowds seem good, great. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I missed yesterday. I'm sorry I missed seeing uh, Tom Robinson. He was see. absolutely amazing, by the way. And, and he got a really good emotional response from the crowd. We, we have a great crowd here, and they, they really engage with the, well, with the performers. I think, I think he's, he's, he's a, you know, a well-loved human being, I think, Tom Robinson. And uh, <clears throat> my old friend Squeeze as well. I'd like to have seen Squeeze. Yeah, they were very slick, very professional, as they, as they always are. So, but it's a good bill, isn't it? I think it's a great bill, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing Mary Coughlin as well. Um, as on, on just before me, so I'll be fine. So you like to try and uh, have a look at the other artists when you, you come to festivals? Yeah, no, festivals are one of the places where you you meet your fellow musicians. Um, even if you live in the same towns, so sometimes you, you, you don't see people um, who are your friends because you know you're, either you're on the road or they're on the road. So I, I meet people, um, you know, in airports or festivals, um, you know, like, like Dallas Airport or uh, or a festival anywhere in the world. It's, it's amazing um, how, how those two locations um, seem to work, you know. So after you leave here, what have you got coming up? What's in the pipeline? Uh, more festivals uh, for the rest of this month um, in the UK. Uh, September I go back to America just do some promotion. October we're back over here doing, doing a theatre tour. Uh, November, December, January, February we're, we're doing tours of the, of the US. Uh, I've got a record coming out in September, so that, that's the reason for all this activity. So, so, well, we wish you the very best of luck with it. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks so much. Thank you. Sitting with Steve Harley on a very posh tour bus. <laughs> talk, talk us through it. What, what, what have you got here? It's a funny thing, this tour bus life. This is a beauty. They are. Um, we've got a huge living room up at the front, uh, bunks up there with private shutters, uh, a double bedroom at the back. I wonder who might be using that. <laughs> I wouldn't do it without a double bed. I can't. The, the bunk thing, I'm too old and I've been around too long and I pay the bills. It's like... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Need it's a your bus. creature comforts. Yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a lovely thing. If if you're, I mean, people come on it, visitors, and they're astonished. Yeah. You know, you think, look at this: a kitchen and a loo and all these living rooms and leather furniture and televisions. And there you go. But sleep, travel through the night, showering backstage in these not festivals, but the venues like this week will be playing two indoor venues. You, that's why you have to be with people you like. I was going to say, do you ever get tempted to leave the band on the bus yeah. and you go and book into a five-star? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not even a five-star. <laughs> All you need is creature comforts. Now, the motels in Britain now, which didn't exist in the 70s, in the 70s when I was touring really big venues all the time, you know, we had to stay in city centre hotels because that's all there was. Yeah. And I imagine the uh, tour buses were slightly different in those days yep. as well. They were just buses. <laughs> and how are you coping on here with your, with your busted hip? How, how did that happen? Yeah, it was six months now. It feels like, I've got to say, it actually feels like a month. It, it's so fresh in my memory. I just walked into my friend's beautiful house. It's a Georgian house with, uh, on, and, and on this polished oak-boarded oak, uh, floor, he's got all these very fancy, lovely rugs... Unfortunately, he and his wife don't have any underlay. So they've got these very lovely Persian rugs, which are quite thin, and they're slippy. And I walked in and just my left heel skidded. You're on your backside. And there were seven or eight people in them. It was a, it was a, a, a church meeting. I'm a member of my parochial church council. And they're all middle class or bright, intelligent, decent, everything else you, you want to say about this sort, those sort of people. And they all say, oh, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. You know, no, I'm saying I heard a crack. I think that was your telephone falling on the floor, Steve. And that was a crack. <laughs> I heard a crack. This isn't good. It was odd. I was sitting on the floor with my back to the wall with all these people panicking. And I said, don't, don't, don't panic. Just call the local 
Steve, what's his name up the road, is the first res- responder. A friend of mine. I said, call Steve and get him down and dial 999. The main thing was for me, I, 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 I got my wife round. It was only an hour, a, a mile from my own house, and she came straight round. I said, call Roger, that's my tour manager, because next week we're doing five sold-out shows, and we're not going to be playing them. I've never cancelled a show in my career. Did you not? Yeah. Never. And then I just settled back for another three hours waiting for the ambulance, which came eventually, and, and it's still numb after six months. I'm walking on a crutch, performing on a stall. <laughs> <laughs> but the show goes so, on. I so mean, slightly less energetic performance. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. I, I you know, today we were playing 75 minutes. Um... My own shows, as your listeners will know, know me, are quite long. We play two and a half hours, and you know I'll come off drenched. I'll I'll, I'll collapse in a dressing room, just exhausted and soaked uh, to the skin, you know. And you 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 undress, you towel down, you know, you know. Well, now I'm coming off on this stall. I feel like I'm still giving everything. I can't perform. I can't half perform. The light hits me, um, I come alive. I, I just love the job so much. and I want to sing and win. I want to sing properly, deliver the goods, as it were. And I'm coming off from this stall after a long two and a two and a quarter, two and a half hour show. And I'm quite cool. Barely broken a sweat. <laughs> it, it's interesting that the physical yeah. movement of, of, of yeah. playing guitar, standing and moving about... But clear that you obviously enjoy it as much as ever. Yeah, I was telling someone else recently in an interview that that, uh, in fact, I was discussing it sitting on these chairs here this afternoon with Stuart Elliott, and Stuart's been the drummer from Cockney Rebel from 1972. We met, and he and I were chewing the cud and saying how great it all is today. We've got a different kind of attitude to it all. He was talking about nervous energy that he used to expend. He was saying how it took him four songs in the 70s before he settled down because he had what he built up as his own adrenaline. And I gave that up 25 years ago. I'm pretty kind of laid back about all this. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, yeah. And I just said to him, what a waste of energy. I've acted a bit. You know, I've been in the West End acting. And people bona fide actors they love all that winding themselves up they wind themselves up they do these warm ups and exercises and screaming at the wall and what the fuck are you doing <laughs> oh I'm, 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 I'm getting to the zone you're rehearsed <laughs> I mean I rehearse my kids when they were much younger they're in their 30s but when they were young uh, they, they say to their mum why is dad practicing all his own songs he hasn't played for three weeks and he's going off tomorrow to tour or to play one show two shows or tour and he has to know he's got it right yeah. and I do it's I'm a home professionalism it's what it is yeah. I'm a, I was at home yeah. last night waiting for this trip we're doing four shows in a row I was up until midnight from about four o'clock in the afternoon playing my own songs it's ridiculous but I've got to know those chord shapes. I've got to know where that, those fingers are going to go next. Yeah. I don't want to be thinking about that in front of thousands of people and getting it wrong. Yeah. Would you get it wrong? Well, probably not. Probably not. Do I know Mr. Soft? Probably. <laughs> but 
Yeah, it's really satisfying to know that you've just played it a few hours ago. Yeah. So it's in your mind, the shapes yeah. are in your mind, and you retain all this information. Have you any idea how many times you might have played Come Up and See Me? Ever worked well, it thousands. <laughs> no, I mean, it's thousands. I play 50 to 100 yeah. shows every year, mm. and it's 40 years. Yeah. 4,000? Yeah. Uh, what does it matter? I mean, it doesn't owe me anything. It's uh, such a great song. So. Well, thank you. It, it's great to play it and sing it. I mean, we always think whether we're playing an hour at a festival, 75 minutes, two and a half hours. Of course, I, it tends to be the last thing I do. But you see people's lives come bouncing yeah, yeah. To, to, into vi vibrant yeah. excitement. It's very, very... It's, it's, it's good to be part of it. It's good to, it's good to own it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now it's on an advert for Viagra as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, did, I took the Pfizer shilling. Yeah, I did wonder if they might have gone with Mr. Soft. but That is the joke. Why didn't they use Mr. Soft? Well, it's, very, it's sort of amusing, yeah. but on the other hand, it would defeat the object, would, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, except for a glorious four days here, so thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice coming to you. We hope you've enjoyed these two special editions of the Wickham Festival podcast. Tickets are still available for the 2019 event and can be bought from wickhamfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. Find us on Twitter at Festival Wickham, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to special content produced throughout the festival.